0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing here, and he says this, now concerning the ministering to the saints, the ministering, minister, the word ministry means serving. So concerning ministering or serving the saints, it is super, superfluous, in other words, it's uh, over the top, we could say, for me to write to you, for I know your willingness about which I boast to you, to the master to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So just reminding everybody that yesterday in chapter 8, we were reading that uh, Paul is asking the Corinthians to follow through on a commitment to be generous and to give that they made about a year ago. And he's writing to them and saying, hey, Let's follow through with this. And he calls it fellowship because this, these financial gifts are going to go to other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Though they don't know them, they're of other nations, other cultures, other languages possibly. And he says, uh, but follow through. He calls it fellowship and he calls it grace. Grace from God, but grace from you because they didn't earn it. You're giving it willingly, freely, out of love. And so, now he's picking up this same theme, or really, you know, these chapters and verse numbers were added much, much later. It's not a part of the original letter that he wrote. They're just there for us to reference and to quickly find where we're reading at the time. And so, he's picking up this same theme. He's talking about it as ministering or serving the saints. This is one way to serve the saints through financial giving and helping one another. Verse 3. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So, Paul is saying, again, something that he brought up in chapter 8. He said, I've been boasting about you, Corinthians. I've been telling them about how you're full of the Holy Spirit and about how you have love and about how you are zealous for knowledge and learning and, and you have speech where you're speaking God's Word and you're doing so many things right. And I boasted about how you committed yourself to give and to be generous to these people that have need. So he said, so when these brothers who are coming to receive the gift from Macedonia come, don't be caught off guard and say, oh, you know, we don't have it right now. And uh, we were hoping to do it. You can imagine this is not just an email or a text message to say, hey, can you send the gift? This is people that have to travel a long distance to come pick up the gift. And so they went through all this trouble the ones that sent them that need the gift, they're thinking, "Well, they're going to be gone for whatever—some weeks or maybe even a, a couple of months or more." And what we're looking forward to them coming back. This would be a huge embarrassment if the team gets there to receive the gift. The gift is not there. They're not willing to follow through with it. They don't—they don't cough it up, so to speak. They don't follow through with their commitment. And then that team has to go back and break the news to the people who were lacking that uh, that the corinthians didn't follow through paul said hey not only would we be ashamed cuz we were the ones boasting about you that oh no they're going to follow through these are real brothers and sisters in the lord these are not selfish people but he said but you'd be ashamed too because this is this would be horrible and so I know we have a different context today. Things can happen very quickly today with, you know, how we can move money around, send money from bank to bank and such, from person to person. I mean, it's very quick today. But nonetheless, the same concepts are true that so often we can vocally say, oh, yeah, I'll help out or whatever, but we don't, we don't follow through with it. And Paul said that, that's something to be ashamed of if you just don't follow through and people are needing it or expecting it, hoping for it, you you said you would do it and yet you're not doing it. Verse 5, "...therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation." So here's Paul. You can tell that Paul's worked with a lot of people. He's worked with a lot of believers, a lot of churches and such. And he does not have the confidence that if these representatives just show up to receive the gift, that it's going to be ready. So Paul said, here's what I did. I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. So before the time that it's expected that you're going to actually give these funds, I'm, I'm having somebody go. And so that way, when you meet week to week in church, that you can be bringing this offering and piling it up and getting it ready so that by the time the team is there to pick it up, it's already it's waiting it's ready. It's packaged, so to speak. He's got a big bow on it. And say, oh, yeah, we've prepared it and got it ready. So Paul knows how people are. And so he's preparing this. And boy, uh, as a pastor, I've seen this. You know, a lot of people can say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But that doesn't mean that it actually happens. But thankfully, some people do. They say it, but then they follow through and do it. But not everybody does. And so Paul's seeing this. And he doesn't want anybody to be embarrassed. Verse 6. Nor does he want the the people in need, particularly Macedonia in this case, to not receive what they were hoping they would get in terms of aid. Verse 6, but this I say, now these are precious verses, you ready for this? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I've heard it said, and I, I don't argue with it, but I, I just do have a little bit of pushback. I've heard it said, uh, hey, when you're giving, when you're giving to the Lord, when you're giving to help, you you shouldn't think about what you're going to get back or that God's going to bless you back. You should just give it because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to honor God with tithes and offerings. It's the right thing to help other people. And I, I I'm not arguing that point because it is the right thing to do. And we should be able to just do it because it's the right thing to do. However, In the Bible, God keeps bringing it up. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to bring this up. So Paul is talking to them about being generous, but then he says, and let me just say this, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He said, you need to know that God is going to bless you based on how you give. Now, remember, it's not so much the amount of money, but it's based on your ability, because Jesus, you remember with the widow that gave two mites, he said she gave more than everybody, even though it was likely the smallest gift in terms of quantity. Uh, it was Jesus said it was the largest in God's eyes, because that was 100% of what she had. And so I think God does this based on how much we have and how generous we're being, how sacrificial we're giving and such. And so he, Paul says, he who so sparingly will reap sparingly. In other words, if you're holding back and not really giving uh, what you could give, then God's not going to bless you with what he could bless you with. But if you're bountiful and you're just opening your heart to help these people and giving what you are able to give, then God's going to open up his heart and give you what he can give. And so verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul saying, listen, don't uh, don't feel like this is an obligation that you have to give and you're giving fine here. I hope they enjoy it. I was going to buy such and such, you know, with that money. Paul saying, don't be like that. No, God loves a cheerful giver. Think about this. It requires love. To have on your mind how this money is going to bless somebody else and be cheerful as if you were that other person receiving it. See, that's love. That's the way God is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, that's certainly not something cheerful. that is his own son, his precious son, is going to be brutally murdered. Well, that's not cheerful. But what God was thinking about is us. Well, look what it's going to do for them to save them, to redeem them to reconcile them to not allow them to go to hell etc cetera, etc cetera. see god was cheerfully giving jesus because he saw what it was going to do for us and he was cheerful on our behalf and this is what paul is saying god loves when people give can you imagine after all that god has given and then we give something and we're like fine you know we have this attitude can you imagine how god's thinking like what And this happens with parents and their children. You know, you give the children something and then you ask them to share and then they don't want to share. And you're thinking, wait a minute, (laughs) now I gave you everything. You didn't earn that and you're not going to share. And this is the way that God feels about us. But, uh, But we're not little kids. We're grown adults, most of us that are watching this. And so we ought to be past this. And so he says, look, don't give grudgingly. Don't give of necessity because you have to because God loves a cheerful giver. And then this verse, this is, this is a, one of mine and my wife's favorite verses in the Bible. And it's, it, I think it may be the most extreme verse in the whole Bible. Listen to this. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things May have an abundance for every good work. Let me take it a piece at a time. And God is able to make all grace. That's an extreme word, all grace. Abound, not just trickle towards you. Abound towards you. So that you always having, what does that mean? You never run out. So that you always having all sufficiency. (laughs) See, not just most, all sufficiency. In all things. All things may have an abundance for every good work. I mean, those are extreme words. It's like the max, the max, the max, the max, the max. You think this is kind of over the top to explain it like that. But Paul's saying, do you realize who is watching what you're doing and how God himself will bless you? And do you realize he's so not limited? The only limitation he's going to have is The way that you give. Are you limiting in the way that you give? Then God's going to be limiting in the way that he rewards you. But if you're not limited, you need to know that God has no limits and he can really bless you. And so once again, if we're not supposed to think about God blessing us back when we give, then why is the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul explaining and elaborating on this? Because God wants us to give in faith. Yes, he wants us to give from a pure heart, and even if he wasn't going to bless us back, he would want us to do the right thing and give. However, Paul is saying here, but God will do it. God will bless you. He will bless you, and he'll bless you abundantly if you'll give abundantly. So notice verse 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So he quotes Paul. a text from Psalm 112, just to say, just like it's written in the Old Testament. It's always been written in the Old Testament that God will give in bliss. Verse 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I love this verse as well, because this verse tells us that God doesn't only give you uh, provision for your needs but God gives you seed to sow God gives you something to sow for the future to sow into other people's lives and what happens to many of us as believers is we think it's all our, our bread and then if we give something that we're given something that was supposed to be for us but this says now may he so- who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food so part of this is for you to eat part of it is for you to plant See, and and we need to understand that. It's not all to eat. So he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So uh, by sowing and giving, by helping the poor, this would include tithing to the Lord and offerings for missions and all those kinds of things, but including giving to one another. The Bible says you're increasing the fruits of your righteousness, Uh, you know, you can't take it with you when you die, but you can send it on ahead by being generous in your giving. And, and Jesus said, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And so notice you're increasing the fruits of your righteousness. But I want to point out something very quickly. You know, In the New King James Version, as well as I believe the King James and certain other translations, not all, because there are more word-for-word translations, they can do this. But notice in that text, that the word sown is italicized. Now, if you have the New King James, it's italicized, which tells us that that was added by the translators. There's not a Greek word behind that from which uh, the word sown was brought or translated. So in other words, whenever you see that, you can read it without that word because that's more of the way it was originally written in the text. And so notice it says this, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So I believe that's the way it should read uh, because that's the way it originally was written. Not supply and multiply the seed you already have sown, but the seed you have, the seed that you have. And so, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So God will multiply the bread that you have. And God will multiply the seed that you have. And so ask him to do it. And as you're generous, uh, Paul says, God will multiply both your bread and your seed to be able to start sowing more. Wouldn't it be great to just give 10 times more every month than we're giving right now? Wouldn't that be great? Let's give and believe God that he's going to increase us. Somebody said, well, I'm on a fixed income. I'm retired. Well, who fixed it? See, you have a big God. Maybe it's fixed with the pension or with Social Security or whatever. But that doesn't mean that God is limited. Let's believe God that he opens something up. And the Bible's telling us here he's well able to do it. Verse 11. While you are enriched... In everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. He's saying, while you're sowing, and not just eating, but sowing what God gives you, he said, you're being enriched in liberality, which results in thanksgiving to God. He's Paul saying, by us and, and our partners in the ministry, we'll be thanking God because of your liberality. Verse 12, for the administration of this service, or the follow through of actually giving it. The administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. He's saying this is not just solving a financial problem, but this is causing people to thank God. Think about the people who are receiving that and are giving glory to God and thanking God. So he said, you're really." Uh, provoking praise and worship by your giving. Verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So he's saying, Those people are not only going to thank God, but they're going to pray for you and bless you. And this is going to be good for you that they're praying for you. And he said, he ends by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Think about God's gift of Jesus. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.